Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Left of Straight Show. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. This is our second show back from hiatus and our fifth season here on the Left of Straight Show. So excited to have you all joining us again. Our first show back yesterday was so much fun. A lot of listeners, uh, thank you for tuning back in. It was a musical Monday yesterday, and I was so fortunate to interview two music greats. Billy Gilman, a country music star in his youth. He's now an out-and-proud pop singer. He re-sparked his career by joining Adam Levine's team on The Voice. He took it all the way to the finale. And my second guest yesterday is the fantastic Broadway and opera performer, Zachary James. He was in the celebrated revival of South Pacific on Broadway as as originally the role of Lurch on the Broadway premiere of the Addams Family musical alongside the great Nathan Lane and B.B. Newworth. So if you missed last night's episode, you can definitely check them out by subscribing or going and checking your favorite podcast distributor. Uh, You can go to iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the good ones there. Tune in. So, And be sure when you go there to your favorite podcast distributor, hit the little subscribe button. That way you'll never miss an episode in the future. I definitely appreciate you tuning in. That is for sure. And just a little bit, I have two more great interviews for you tonight on this great Tuesday evening, uh, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I know with the whole uh, pandemic thing, none of us are celebrating at our favorite Irish pub. I know I'm missing O'Donnell's here in Northeast Ohio tonight. But I do have two great interviews coming for you in just a little bit. We're going to be talking to the very talented and handsome actor and writers, Drew Drogi and Ben Bauer. Now, obviously, like I said, we're in the middle of this global pandemic And just on the off chance things went a little crazy as they did, I've decided I'm going to be pre-taping a lot of interviews this season. So um, even though I'm going to be live as I am now in the openings and closings every Monday and Tuesday, uh, I am going to pre-tape most of the interviews. Some of them will be live, but a lot of them will be pre-taped. So uh, I was able to talk to Drew last week live from New York City He has a one-man show, Happy Birthday, Doug, that he wrote and stars in. It was extended last week till March 29th. And, of course, now, as we know, Broadway, Off-Broadway, and about every entertainment venue in New York, Ohio, Connecticut, um, New Jersey, L.A., San Francisco has all been called off. 
So uh, his show has been canceled until further notice. But we're going to still talk about it, and you'll have to check it out when it comes back into town. So uh, talking to Drew first, and then um, I talked to Ben uh, yesterday, Ben Bauer yesterday. He has a great new short that he directed. It was a directorial debut. He also writes and stars in it. And we'll be talking about that. We did talk yesterday after all this stuff was going on. And he's getting he's submitting it now to a lot of film festivals. And that's kind of a little shaky ground, too, because we just don't know when this thing is going to end. But there are two great interviews, so be sure to stay tuned for those in just a little bit. I was very excited to talk to these people. I think you will enjoy them immensely as well. As I said, I am live now. I'll be live at the end of the show after the two interviews to wrap things up, and I'll be live every Monday and Tuesday this new season, season five of the Left of Straight show. Uh, I hope you guys are all staying safe during this health crisis. Um, if you want to call in for the next couple of minutes before we start the interviews, give us a call. Tell me how you're doing, 347-989-0126. 347-989-0126. You're more than welcome to join in the conversation. I'd love to hear what's happening in your neck of the woods with this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic situation we have going on. It's affecting literally millions of people across our country, around the world, not only for their health, but of course for economic issues it's causing around the country. If you follow the stock market, it's lost over 9,000 points. I think it gained maybe 1,000 back today. A long way for that to come back. More and more states have closed their service industries, businesses like restaurants, bars, casinos, movie theaters, where most workers work at minimum wage plus or minus tips. So this is creating trouble, not only for people's health, but for people's wallets, um, childcare, things like that. So if it's affecting you, let me know. Um, Personally, if you know my story at all, I mean, I've been semi-retired as a permanent home health care worker for my 81-year-old mother, good old Mama Linda, who is upstairs. Um, she is, like I said, 81 years old. She is in the high-risk group. She has type 2 diabetes. Um, she has issues with it often. Uh, and So I take care of her. So she's been afraid to leave the house. She wouldn't go out to her nail appointment and her hair appointment she usually goes to once a month. Um, but understandably so. I mean, she's in the high-risk group. So she's been staying home and healthy. I've been going out and doing all the shopping and everything. Um, I'm lucky enough to stay home and take care of her because when Dad passed away five years ago, he saved up enough money while he was working. Well, we have some investments in the stock market that kind of helps for me to watch over her mom. But just this 9,000 drop in points, we've lost about $25,000 worth of our stock that we live off the interest on. So we're tightening our belts as well as everybody else. So it's uh, difficult for everyone out there, especially in the entertainment industry. So many of my guests on this show are great friends, uh, part of the entertainment industry in one way or another. Um, A lot of my radio guests come from there. Most of them are not independently wealthy. They make their living by working hard, often in the fields they love. Uh, doing theater, doing movies, doing web series, um, music, um, concerts, whatever it happens to be. And so this hits them pretty hard. I mean, you miss a couple of gigs and it hits your pocketbook pretty badly. So uh, they have been doing some great things. I have to tell you, I'm so impressed by a lot of people are using their talents and going on Instagram live, on YouTube live, 
on Twitter Live, on Facebook Live, and they're just entertaining. Um, I know Wilson Cruz was on today at 11 o'clock Pacific time, 2 o'clock Eastern. He said he's going to be doing it regularly then for a while. Um, You know I love me a little Wilson Cruz. Um, Also, Stephen Amell, who played the Green Arrow on Arrow in the CW, who's now we've done other things. He's doing the same thing. It's actually at the exact same time, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern time. He's doing a little web party. Um, We had... Uh, I know different different celebrities are doing different things regularly, and it's kind of nice to see. So be on the lookout for those and support them all you can because these guys are, are really going to be hurting soon, a lot of them. So uh, I'm pretty impressed with what they've been doing. Um, <laughs> look out for each other. This hoarding stuff has been crazy. I literally have not been able to find toilet paper or bottled water since Friday. Luckily, though, living here in Northeast Ohio, most of our houses have basements, and most of those basements have, like, a second refrigerator and a freezer and a pantry. So we actually have that and have about enough food for two months here. We kind of keep everything stocked pretty well. So I have my freezer downstairs stocked with food. I have my pantry downstairs stocked with food. I have refrigerator stocked with things that doesn't go bad uh, downstairs. So we are good that way. Um, we do use a lot of bottled water, and that's just um, for no other reason than we are spoiled, I guess, because we have the tap water is fine out there, boys and girls. We have a Brita machine here, and I'm going to start using that if I can't find uh, bottled water here. Um, so you have that available. Uh, toilet paper is a whole other issue. We we did go to Sam's Club. I went to Sam's Club a couple weeks back, so I'll be fine there for a while. We'll just hope all this craziness kind of slows down a little bit and doesn't keep dragging off into the extremes we're seeing out there. Hoarding is not good, everybody. Um, It doesn't say you can't go out. It says you just need to pay attention. Keep your your six feet apart distances. You can go out to parks. You can take walks around your neighborhood. Um, Just be smart, be sensible. And that's all we have to do. I mean, luckily this thing, we talked about it yesterday, is primarily affecting the older generation, 60 plus with underlying health conditions. Most other people, it is just comes across as a flu or a cold, which we all eventually can get through. Um, There are exceptions, but that is mostly what is happening. So just pay attention, be smart out there, listen to what your state is saying, your city is saying, and go from there. A uh, few things I'm excited about this season because of all these, I've decided to do pre-tape interviews this season um, for a couple reasons. One, it gives my guests a lot of latitude. The show was always live before, and so that's basically a four-hour window to get people to come on. And if they're working or something, I can't get a lot of guests that I want on because they just can't hit time period. So doing mostly pre-taped interviews now with a couple live ones thrown in, I'm able to get a lot more variety of guests coming on, which I'll talk about at the end of the show. I have some great guests coming on this season. I'm very excited in the coming weeks that I'll be doing some interviews. And most of the pre-taped interviews will be relatively short within a couple of weeks at a time they're on. So they'll be, they'll be current and everything. They will just be pre-taped so um, we can make sure they're good to go and I have a little more option with that. 
Also, pre-taping gives me the option to do some other things while we're recording them. I started something this season called Five Questions With, where I'm asking all of my guests that I've had interviews with um, five questions that deal with the theme of the Left of Straight show. Our, our theme is a talk about celebrity and personality interviews in the areas of entertainment, foodies, books, pop culture, and advocacy. And so I'm able to ask uh, my, my interviewees that come on questions in these areas. What's their favorite book? What's their favorite food? What do they got to eat? And they're from all over the country. So it's some really fun, exciting answers. I've been getting to a lot of things and a couple of similarities I didn't see as well. So that's kind of a bonus of that as well. Uh, so I, I'm, I like these pre-tapes so far. There'll be some live ones thrown in throughout uh, when we need to. Um, I'm also planning on taking the show back to Palm Springs this summer. This would be our third year back at the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs. I'm reaching out to them now and making sure we still have a place there. It always depends on their occupancy. Um, John and Sandy have been so good to us at the Indulge Inn in Palm Springs every summer, uh, giving uh, rooms to all my guests to come down and do live interviews for a month. So we're looking to that happen. And also I'm in talks right now to do one or two weeks of live shows from New York City. So we're going to be expanding to the East Coast this summer as well. So I'm excited about that. But enough for me. Thanks so much for being part of the Left of Straight family and listening to the radio show. Be sure to subscribe and all the things. I'll be here to wrap it up in a little bit here. We're going to play a little song. This is from Billy Gilman, who was on last night's show. This newest singer, single, Soldier. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking first to the amazing Drew Drogi and then to Ben Bauer, both amazing actors and writers and directors. And then I'll be back to wrap it all up in just a little bit. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a coffee or a glass of vino. It's St. Patrick's Day. Have a green beer and enjoy the show. We'll be back in just a little bit. Here's Billy Gilman with Soldier. Lovers in battle We built this tower This tower of Babel The sabers may rattle But I'm only fighting for you You're my obsession My love or my rival This song is a lesson These words are survival And I'm never letting you go I'm gonna keep fighting Betraying, so baby, stop playing. Cause I won't be waving the white. If you're not gonna walk it, then baby, don't talk it. Your words are like bullets, but I'm wearing armor and I'm never letting you go. I'ma keep fighting.
I'll be standing right here in the mess that we made Cause I'm never gonna, no, I'm never gonna let you go Some battles are won and some battles are lost But you live with the pain cause there's always a cost But I'm never gonna, no, I'm never gonna let you go Baby, I'm a soldier, soldier. Baby, I'm a soldier, soldier. Baby, I'm a soldier, soldier. Baby, I'm a soldier. I'ma keep fighting. bring my next guest on the show he's been left of straight show adjacent for the past four years with his fantastic work in some of our friends projects like adulting with ben and tandy uh, where the bears are with ben and joe east siders with kit and tommy so many more he's been celebrated for his chloe savini impersonation parodies and he's currently back at the soho playhouse in new york with his newest one-man show which he also wrote called Happy Birthday, Doug, produced by our good friend Michael Yuri and such a great team. It's just been extended through the end of March. He's one of the funniest guys on the planet, so please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Drew Drogi. Drew, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, Scott. How are you? I am fantastic. Welcome to the show. I've been wanting to have you on forever. How is everything in beautiful downtown New York today? It's gorgeous. I feel like spring is here. I've been so lucky because I was so scared to come here from from sunny California to come to New York in February and do a show. But the the weather's been lovely. I mean, it's been really mild winter, and now we have like March here, so it's 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 wonderful. There you go. I gotta say, knock on wood for global warming. I'm a I'm the opposite. I know. I'm, I, I know. I'm from California I'm that the world is melting. <laughs> it, it's great. I'm from California. I've been banished to Northeast Ohio for the past 20 years, and I'm kind of liking only shoveling my driveway once a year now instead of four or five times, so it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be screaming in hell in, in a year, but right now we're, we're great. Exactly. We're totally fine. Exactly. The American idea, just like we're fine right now, so let's not worry about anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. To heck with the future generations, right? Uh, that's what exactly. that seems to be exactly. the Washington speak right now, I guess. Well, 100%. Well, like I said, man, I feel like I know you. You've been some of my favorite projects out there. I'm kind of known in my podcast for the go-to guy for most um, web series and, and, and series, the LGBT series, that just have some fantastic performances. And you are one of the funniest men on the planet, my friend. You steal about every well, scene you're thank in. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I, I I feel very lucky to have been in, I think, every gay web series ever made. <laughs> so I hear of one that I haven't been in. I'm like, why? 
why can't I play a horrible person who comes in for three lines for that? Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I love that about, you know, where we are right now with the internet, like we're, I mean, it definitely, I have a career because of it, but so many people are making so much content and, you know, sadly we have, we still have so few gay TV shows and gay films that, but we have so many creative, so many wonderful, smart, hilarious gay minds out there. And so, Right. You know, it's so cool to see how much web content is out there because people are just like they have a need to make something and, and there's such an audience for it. I mean, like that's the thing, too, that where TV has been proven wrong because they, you know, the, the gatekeepers have always told a lot of us like, well, there's we think you're funny, but there's not an audience for you. And it's like, no, the the you know, the public has said differently because they watch all of these things on YouTube and and, um, you know, funny or die or whatever beyond. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. It's really, like you said, it's very content rich, rich out there. I've met some amazing, and you really do. I mean, acting right now, there's so many platforms out there with the web series, with all the Hulus and the Amazon making right. their own content. But it's nice, unless you have that name recognition, it's great that people are creating their own content to get themselves out there. I mean, you have people right. um, that, are, that are coming up every day that you never would have known about if they weren't doing their own stuff. Exactly. Yeah, you can't just wait for the phone to ring. And even, I mean, even for people who are who have big names and have followings, they still have to keep generating content for themselves. I mean, I, I, I mean, I encourage everyone to learn how to write and create because you know you might be on a show right now and then that's over and then what do you have next? I mean, you just you hope you get another job, but you can't make that happen. But what you can make happen right. is you know, a project that you've, you've written and, and, you know, so um, I always just, I also just like being active in my, in my career and, and keeping the, you know, the demons at bay. When I, when I make things, I, I'm, I'm less panicking about what I'm doing with my life, you know? Right. I bet. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Now, since it's your first time on the show, just give us a quick Reader's Digest background. Um, where did you grow up? What kind of a kid were you? And what did you want to be when you grew up? I okay, so I grew up in I grew we moved around a lot, but mainly all over North and South Carolina. Um, the biggest I always say I'm from Lincoln to North Carolina, which is like I just just outside of Charlotte. That's where I spent the most time um, from like sixth grade on. I was I was always like the quiet kid who was reading a lot, uh, always up in my room uh, in my own world, and uh, but I was like the class clown at school. So I was the one that would like come home and have horrible conduct grades, and my family would be like, "What you? You're so quiet." Like, you know. Um, oh, that's so funny. I sort of found I, it was sort of like my first stage was the classroom, and I sort of always was like, "Oh, I can make my friends laugh," and you know. Um, so, but I, I never thought I would be an actor. That was never presented as like you know, you, especially before the internet, when you grow up in a thing where you. You know, you don't see anybody making a career out of doing this unless they become Tom Cruise. It's like so, <clears throat> you know, I just thought it would be something I would do on the side. And I went to school – I went to Wake Forest in North Carolina to be an English professor. So I went to be an English major there. And I was like, well, oh, wow. I'll, I'll teach and I'll do theater on the side whenever I can. That was sort of what I thought I was going to do with my life. Because I do I, – and I – um. I have ended up being a teacher. I teach at the Groundlings in LA, and I love teaching. And it was something that I always wanted to do. And I, and with English, I I, I loved reading, but 
but I just I found in the English department and and just it was not creative at all. It was all about reading what other people had created and analyzing right. it and talking about it and versus you know and I was the one and just saying like when when are the next people going to end up in these books like you know what about those like you know and so I I realized that I wanted to make things and um, I loved the theater department at Wake and so I ended up majoring in theater and then just like going out to LA just as a on a lark and I was like I want to study with the groundlings because that's always something I'd wanted to do and just sort of fell into that there and then I just kind of kept you know doing stuff and it just became more and more me realizing like this is really what I want to do but you know um it took a lot of convincing not only of my, my family but of myself to like to do this because I it was just not something that right um I mean even in college I wasn't like the star of my theater department or anything it wasn't like anyone was saying you've got to go out there and and do something you know it 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 just was like what I was loving. I was loving it so much, and there was nothing else I loved as much. So I that's just kept great. I love that. trying to get better, you know, and still just damn all, you know, and that's the that's the thing about all of it is like just like keep, you know, trying to, you know, write better material and, and you know, be a better actor and all of that. It's like it, it's, a, it's a lifelong sort of process. That's but fantastic. Really fun I love that. I'm very <laughs> familiar with that area. My brother lives in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just below oh, you there. Wow. So okay. yeah, I, totally. I go there about every three months or so. I go down to visit him and my nephew and my uh, uh, sister-in-law there. So, yeah, so it's a great area. I love that area down there. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Totally. Very cool. All right, and let's talk a little bit about um, you've done so many great LGBT characters. That's what you write about. Uh, talk about your coming out story. When did you first hear yourself? That's what I like to know. Oh, that's such a good question. It took a long time for me to really. Um, I, I I feel like it was it was really you know, it, it. I don't know when I actually came out to myself. Other than like it was like really after college when I was able to sort of say it and acknowledge it and sort of like, but. I was certainly, you know, aware of so many other aspects of it. I mean, it was something that, like, you know, I was such a late bloomer, and I was a kid that everybody else was was calling it before I knew that I was, and I really genuinely didn't know, and I was so disconnected right. from it. Um, so, uh, but I also was, there was also a part of me that was so queer from day one that I was, like, you know, in your face about camp and about, like, being, you know, <laughs> so there was that side of it. It just, I didn't tie that in with sexuality for so long. I just, right. I just like thought I loved, you know, really over the top women, and I loved, you know, I loved Carol Burnett, and I loved Elvira, and I loved John Waters, and I loved all the stuff, and I didn't really. So that I knew from way, way early on. Um, but like tying that into like the most, I mean, the thing that's just so obvious now, looking back on all of this, I mean. <laughs> I remember, like in second grade, like there was. Uh, I guess we had a, um, we had a, um, what is it called, uh, when it's both genders, um, uh, soccer team. It was um, it, not oh, intramural, co-ed, co-ed. but yeah, co-ed. co-ed. Yeah. We had co-ed soccer team, and there was a girl on my soccer team, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, she looks like Eartha Kitt, and like <laughs> that awareness, I knew way early on. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, she did. Like I remember what she looked like. She looked like Eartha Kitt. So it's like, you know, there's that kind of stuff I knew, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess I was, I was 22 when I moved out and I did a summer in Kentucky at this, 
um, outdoor theater um, summer stock company before moving to L.A., and that was when it was like the easiest to just go, oh, yeah, okay, that's what this is, and it's, you know. But I, it was a very gradual process for me. I, everyone I knew came out to me first. Like I was the person that people came out to, even though I wasn't really <laughs> out. <laughs> people knew, you know. So I love that. I always feel like I've kind of been the same person. I don't feel like I've changed that much uh, over the years. I don't know, but I kind of I feel like I've always kind of you know um, cranky old man and a <laughs> in whatever age body I'm in at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. Now you are one of the hardest working guys I know. Like I said, you're in basically everything. You're one of the people that I sprain my little finger over when I scroll through your IMDb page of all the things you've done. Talk about some of your favorite roles you've played. What draws you to a project? I mean, I know it's not the money because half these things are on a shoestring budget, but talk about what really draws you into a project. Well, I mean, I do, I actually really love being busy. So uh, I'm, you know, when I'm available, I will pretty much do, I've learned to like say yes. I've learned to just be like, uh, not wait for the dream project to come up because I've definitely had those and they've been amazing. But when I'm free, if I'm, if it's, you know, I, I, and I, and I read it and I, and I think I can do something with it. I'm like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. Because I also, I love working with different people and, and meeting younger people and newer people on the scene or like they're trying something out for the first time. That doesn't scare me when I'm like, Oh, I've never. And, and yes, I've ended up in some real turkeys because I say yes to things that I probably shouldn't have. But on the other hand, I've ended up in some great things and I get to work with amazing people who I wouldn't know that if I didn't just just jump in. Because I know a lot of other people that are a lot harder to get to do things, but then people just stop asking them to do things. And then, you know, um, and I do think there is a certain point and there is a real power in saying no. And there have been quite a few things that I've had to say no to for different reasons. And you go, okay, this is really just, you know, you read it and go, this is really – Either it's problematic or it's something that I just can't make work. I don't think it's 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 ready yet, or um, you know, or the person's been awful in the past, and I really don't want to spend twelve hours with them making something. You know, there are different reasons right. why you you know, um, you know that yes, it's not just about the money. It's like a lot of other a lot of other factors. But um, to me, you know, I always I love getting to play terrible people, and I love playing terrible gay people <laughs> or complicated complicated broken gay people um i feel like we have so much of that in our culture and i think we need to be able to see that in our culture and laugh at that and and my whole thing is like let's just encourage ourselves not to be that like don't be the people that i play like that's kind of why why we laugh at them um so that that could be kind of it gets complicated in my life because i think a lot of people come up to me and they think i want to be like really bitchy with them and i don't at all and i really get uncomfortable when, you know, people can be really nasty and then I find out later, like, oh, they were just playing your game, Drew. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I, that's not what I want to do in real life. Um, but I think I've sort of been lucky to sort of carve that out a little bit. So when people are writing shows and they think of me for these kind of, I mean, I, I play a lot of um, really self-involved, like drama clubs or drama acting teachers or like, you know, um, uh, you know, theater directors or that live in that world or like really horrible people in the corporate world or, you know, um, <laughs> so it's so much fun. I mean, like, you know, you get to, to really play a lot of fun roles and sometimes, you know, occasionally you'll get to do it on TV, which is also great, but 
you know, um, you know, I still feel like TV's behind the internet in a way that like we're still afraid of playing a lot of really complicated gay people on TV because what what are we saying about all gay people if one of them isn't perfect, which makes me so annoyed. But it's like, yeah, let's let's show all of our warts, let's show everything about ourselves, and you know, um, and that doesn't mean we're making a statement about all gay people. We're just saying this one's pretty awful, you know, and fun. Exactly. We right. Love, I mean, I grew up watching villains all my life. I, those are my favorite people, like my favorite characters. They're not anything like, you know, um, oh, like I think about like a kid I watched the, the Rock the Cradle and so I like love fun, Rebecca right? De Mornay in that movie. You know, it's like <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm on the side of the villain, you know, so let's do it. I love that. Very cool. And you're such a great and prolific writer, too, which I'm sure is what um, goes to a lot of projects you pick. But I, I got to tell you, in talking about great projects on TV or at least TV adjacent, I fell in love with AJ and the Queen on Netflix. And I saw you come across on the writing credits like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. I know this guy. Talk about that yeah. experience. How was that? That was it was it was it was it was wonderful. It was I was so happy that I got to be a part of that that was the first episode of tv that i've ever written and um and uh it was just it it goes really fast the schedule is really crazy um but i had the i just had such a wonderful time michael patrick king and rupaul were incredible bosses to get to go to work with and for every day and like you know and rue is the one who just sits in the room and just asks everyone questions about who they like who all of us are and where we were coming from and you know, what we really made a a really special thing together, and I it was a really good exercise for me to learn to write, not only for TV but to write a more, um, you know, I'd write for a ten year old girl and write you know some more sentimental moments than I would normally do in my own work, and it was it was just a great thing to stretch me in that way, um, and it was just I, I just I had such a great time doing it, and I. You know, I hope I get because we just, they just announced last week that we're they're not doing a season two, and so we're all disappointed. A lot of it is just because we just loved spending time together and and with those characters right. and everything. So hopefully more yeah, in yeah. the future. It was an amazing series. I'm glad to hear such great positive things. That I mean, a lot of those things, and I heard about the not being renewed as well, which is so hard. I mean, I have a good friend of mine, right? Actually, knows Michael Yuri, very good friend of Michael Yuri, who's presenting your play. Uh-huh. Um, Stan Zimmerman, who's written for Golden Girls oh, and everything. Oh, of course. I love Stan, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's done that. He gets that kind of thing all the time. So many great projects, and you meet all these fantastic people, and then you think it's going great, and all of a sudden you're not renewed for a second. And that's the downside, I guess, of television. But, right. Um, it when is. you're not it's creating your own. With, <laughs> with everything, you know, uh, you never know. Like, and, um, you know, the thing that is, is such an exciting business, but also you learn to, like, not get excited about anything because you're just, like, <laughs> your hopes get right. dashed. I mean, my favorite thing that I got to do in the last few years, you know, for TV was Heather's. I mean, that was a, that was such a special show. And because of the world that we're in, the climate that we're in, it just got completely decimated. And, I mean, people couldn't even really see it. I mean, the, the finale got banned. and You know, it was one of those that, like, while we were making it, we were, like, we're doing such – such a cool show that's so ahead of its time and and i really hope that when we have another president next year um because we're going to we have to think that way we uh, have to yeah that exactly. we'll be in a different space and we'll be able to we'll be able to laugh at liberal people we have to laugh at liberal people we have to laugh at queer people you know um so it's that was something that like you know 
you just it was so special getting to do that show and then you're just like well and the world is you know because you know, it, it, sometimes it's like the show isn't isn't great or people aren't watching the show but sometimes with like Heather's it was just like no one was given a chance they had to yank it and you know right. and reintroduce it and so yeah so you just in the business you just have to kind of keep moving forward not taking anything personally which is a lot easier said than done because there are times that you just feel like oh man is this me you know, we can feel sometimes like, am I the one that's killing all these shows that I've been a part of? You know, you're like, no, everyone, we're all in this together. And it's great having a friend like Michael Yuri or Sam Zimmerman or people, because, I mean, you know, Michael has done so many things and also is, you know, he's a journeyman actor moving on to the next project. And he's always working, but it's all about, like, not looking back. You know, Stan has written for some of the most, like, influential uh, you know, television shows of all time from like the Golden Girls to the Gilmore Girls to everything else that he's done and right. still has to move on to the next project. Like all of us are in this together, you know, like there's no sense of like, oh, you made it and you get to live in a castle on the hill and you're impervious to anything. It's like, no, everyone is just trying to get their next gig. And when you have friends that are at that stage of the game, you feel less, you know, terrible about yourself because you realize it's everyone's there. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And it is, it's a, uh, it's a brotherhood of sorrow sometimes, but also a brotherhood of yeah. joy when you, when you guys get things totally. happen. So totally understand that. Speaking of, this is your second show at the Soho Playhouse. Michael Yuri is yeah. presenting this along with some other producers and actually directed your first one. Talk about yeah. the first one first, bright colors and bold patterns. Seems like it's almost the opposite side of the coin on this. I love the, uh, the character involved. Um, but it's kind of kind of the flip side of what you do now. Talk first about bright colors and bold patterns, though, and your first experience yeah. with Soho. So with bright colors and bold patterns, um, that's a show where I play one character who's talking to multiple people. There are three other people uh, in the play, and so we are as an audience you're to imagine that you're watching four people on stage, but you're only seeing one actor playing one character. So. Um, I was doing that, and I, I developed that show uh, uh, in L.A. Uh, I, I had a director, Molly Prather, who was involved in that. In the very, it was a very like cabaret-style version of that show. And she really helped me with the writing of that so much. And, um, and I did it. I, I came to Ars Nova in New York and uh, did a did – a, I think I was doing John Early show one night there. And then I was like, oh, I really want to do Bright Colors here. And so I did it for, I think, two nights at Ars Nova. And Michael came and saw it, and Michael and I had worked together a lot. We did a show called Cocktails and Classics on Logo, where he hosted the show, and we were always, like Michael Musso and Shangela and different right, people, right. we rotated to the, you know, we watched old movies and talk, drank cocktails and talked about it, my favorite things in the world to do. Um, so Michael and I have done a lot of things together, and Michael came and saw Bright Colors and just envisioned, like, a full production and really wanted to... So he asked me if he could come on and, and be the director of this fully, you know, uh, realized film. And so we, uh, we did it at Barrow Street for a few weeks. Uh, it, it, they had to gut the theater to do Sweeney Todd. So we were, like, moving. We were trying to find a home for it. Meanwhile, I live in L.A., so every time I'm visiting New York, I'm just trying to find, carve out the time to do it. Right. So we filmed Soho Playhouse because it was just on our list, and I had heard about it. Um, you know, we, we were working in a lot of other places, and there were some other great places, but they felt 
clean or, or they felt really new and corporate or they felt a little bit like, you know, um, not really the vibe of the show. And I just walked up to Soho and I was like, this feels like old queer New York and, and off-Broadway nice. theater like I'd always wanted to do, you know. And we met Darren Colvin that day and he was like asking about the show and I just kind of walked in and I was like, oh God, I hope it works out here. This would be the perfect place to do it. And so we were able to do it. Um, we It was like November of 17, we opened and we ran through April of 2018. And um, so it was a hit. I, I had to leave the show like halfway through the run and then Jeff Hiller came in and was brilliant and just gave the show new life and taught me new things about the show that I didn't even know that were in there when I watched him do it. And then we, uh, I came back for a week in April and just, and closed it out and we did a taping. We taped it for Broadway HD. Um, so it's available to watch on Broadway HD right now. And then I was sort of like, I've got to do something new. And when I was thinking about my other show, I was like, well, th- that show was one character talking to multiple people. And I was like, what if I did a show where I played multiple people talking to one person? And what would that look like? And the other show was like a before show. It was all leading up to a gay wedding. Whereas the right. show was like, what if I do it in the middle of a gay birthday party? So I was thinking more <laughs> into structural stuff like that before I even thought what this show was going to be about. And I started writing these characters and I just didn't really know what, what I was doing. I was like, the last show was about, like, with gay marriage. I mean, Bright Colors and Bold par- Patterns is, like, the character receives an invitation to a gay wedding where they ask the guests not to wear bright colors or bold patterns, which is based on a real invite that I got. And I just was thinking about, like, it's about assimilation and what are we losing in the name of marriage equality and queer culture. And I was so clear on what that was about. And then this new one, I was like, right. I'm not sure. What, I'm, what am I saying about this this, this time? And then – you know, I wanted to um, play a bunch of different points of view and things. And then as I was writing this one, as I was writing Happy Birthday, Doug, I realized that this one is, is about friendships and about relationships and about the different generations who are all at the same party uh, in gay culture. And it's about um, holding on to the people who really matter to you in your life. And I realized that I was writing a lot of characters that, I was having leave the party, and then some characters were staying at the party. And I realized that as, as the end of writing it that, oh, the characters that I love, I keep at the party. And the characters I don't like, I kick them out. And oh, that's it's cool. like that's what I was saying with this show is that I was really about hold on and, and you know have smaller parties with the people who are really important in your life. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's what this one's about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think my next play has to be, like, after a, a gay funeral in New York because <laughs> I've done I love a it. wedding in Palm Springs and <laughs> the a, trilogy, a party the in L.A. The Drew ch- trilogy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Very co- – and it's getting great reviews. In fact, it's very coincidental. I just uh, – the Page Six review popped up on my Yahoo alerts today. It's getting glowing oh, reviews good. there. Oh, cool. So yeah, that congratulations. just came yesterday, I think. Thank you. Extended until March 29th, so that is amazing. Uh, you talked about your, your and Michael's love for drinking. I mean, you've been drinking in both these shows. How do you stay through and not get sloshed? I don't understand. Well, <laughs> it's a, I, I do drink real uh, beer in both of the shows and wine. I don't really drink that much because I have to talk so much. It really is a matter of keeping, keeping my my like voice lubricated. That just sounds filthy. But like 
I I don't even I'm really not having that much alcohol when I'm up there, and I'm used to drinking. I I you know drink plenty, so it's not like uh, like <laughs> I probably have the equivalent of maybe not even a full drink, even though because you you really don't get that much in you when you're when gotcha. you're showing. You have adrenaline going and everything, so I've never I don't I really don't like performing if I if I've had too much to drink. Um, I get really tired. It's not even like I get like I lose control and get crazy. I just get really kind of cranky and tired. Like when I'm drinking, I'm like off the clock. So the thought goes like when people are like, oh, come to the show and you can drink through the show. I'm like, I might have a little bit, but I really don't enjoy. Um, and I certainly don't want to be flossed in front of people unless, unless that's right, like the point right. of the show. But, but in a show like these solo shows, I have to be so on top of it because I'm in charge of the entire thing. So I can't. I, I let my I right. love well the adrenaline are, too I'm sure counters a lot of that too you have so much yes, adrenaline running yes, the entire totally. and I always love when characters are off the rails but the but the performer is totally centered I mean my favorite version of that is Dina Martina like you're watching you know Dina do this insane character but you know that that the person behind Dina is fully aware of every right. step you know that she's making so that's why it actually works because it's like if you have someone who's really messed up you're just watching a train wreck and it's and it gets uh messy and sad so no <laughs> there you go all right well i encourage all my new york listeners go see it through march 29th at the soho playhouse it's called happy birthday doug we have a limited time for you today because you're so busy while you're there in new york so we'll go ahead and wrap this up give everyone your website and your social media and any future projects you want them to be on the lookout for oh great uh i am on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Drew Drogi. Um, and uh, I, I have a website, DrewDrogi.com, but it's horribly uh, out of date. So but, and there might be some stuff on there. I'm not sure exactly what's all on there. But uh, Instagram and Twitter are better to follow me. Um, and then I will be on um, upcoming seasons of Search Party, which was on TBS, but they're moving over to HBO Max, which is launching, I think, this month. Um, Right, right. Cool. Well, Drew Drogi, I've, like I said, been a fan for four years. We finally got you on the show. We'll have to have you back when we can do an extended interview. But thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thank you, Scott. This was so great talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate having you guys. Stay on the line for me, guys. Be sure to check out Drew Drogi's show in New York. Look for him in L.A. And we'll be back in just a couple of seconds. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. I won't just survive Oh, you will see me thrive Can write my story I'm beyond the archetype I won't just conform No matter how you shake my core Cause my roots
All righty, we are back. Guys, my next, best, my next guest has been a great friend of the show for the past four years. We first met him when I brought him on to talk about his award-winning web series, Hashtag Adulting. We've loved him from the hunting season, something like summer. I can't wait to talk to him today about his directorial debut on a short film that he wrote, and it's currently in post-production. He's also nearing the end of wedding planning as the big day approaches. I'm so excited for him. Always happy to have a chance to talk with him. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Ben Bauer. Ben, how are we doing, buddy? Oh, my gosh, hello. Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, doing okay. It's, uh, it's kind of scary out there in the world, but, you know, I'm – Taking control of what I can, and you know, uh, gonna gonna soldier on, gonna make it through it. There you go, a little behind the curtain to our little listeners out there. Um, we're we're pre-taping a lot of these interviews, and uh, most of my interviews were done last week for this week's shows. And Ben and I are actually talking live the day before, so everything's kind of happened this weekend that wasn't happening mm-hmm. before. So there's a little more stress involved, but we're gonna power through, right, my friends? Yes, sir. All right. So besides everything that's going on right now, talk about being back in New York City. We haven't talked much. Um, You've lived there before. You've been back for a couple of years now. Um, Do you feel like you're back to New Yorker again? Are you reacclimated, or how's that going? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's – so I've been back and forth quite a bit. Um, I did seven years in L.A. and then three years in New York and then back to L.A. for two years, and then I've been back – here in New York for about two years. And it's, you know, it's, it's great. Like there's not a city like New York. Um, you know, personally, my, my personal feeling is I prefer Los Angeles just a little bit, just because, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the weather, the ease of life, like not having to (laughs) schlep around the city with, with your entire day's worth of stuff packed into bags, um, instead, you can right. store it in the back seat of your car. Um, but you know, I I do like it here, and you know, my fiance his his job is here, so you know, we're we're doing the New York thing for a while. I guess the, the foreseeable future. Yeah. Big city life. Like I'm the same way. I mean, I'm a Southern California boy at heart. That's where I was born and raised, and I've been banished to Northeast Ohio for gosh, almost 18 years now. But oh my yeah, gosh. I kind of miss uh, being be, having that weather and uh, everything. Like you said, you could you're a lot more mobile in LA because everything could be be in the back yeah. of your car or something. And well, I'm also like I'm from, I'm from the yeah I'm from the West Coast originally, so I'm from Oregon. So the 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 vibe is just like so so different. Um, it's just so right. much more chill. But you know what? Like New York beats the lazy out of you. So I plan on, <laughs> you know, getting some stuff done. There you go. I forgot that you were from Oregon. Whereabouts in Oregon were you from again? Uh, so I, I'm from like a tiny little town, Albany, Oregon. Um, it's about an hour south of Portland. Um, so right. I did quite a bit of uh, uh, Portland pay, played like a pretty big role in my, you know, teenage upbringing. I don't know why I forgot about that. I lived in Portland for four years. I love that city. It's probably one of the Oh, shut up. I love it favorites. so much. Oh, it's so nice. It's one of the best laid out cities in the country. You can't get lost there. It's it's amazing. Uh, my sister-in-law is actually 
from down south near Eugene. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with Oregon. I don't know why. I don't think we talked about that much before. That's very cool. I, I don't think we have, yeah. I love a good Oregonian story. And they're doing so much film work now there. I mean, ever since Sean Hayes brought Grimm there a few years back, they've been doing lots of great film work. Yeah, yeah. It's, very, I mean, very it, cool. Yeah, nowadays it's just so much easier to to shoot outside of, like, the big cities. So you're seeing a lot of places like that get some really cool opportunities. Nice. Very cool. Well, I had your buddy Drew Drogi on. Um, he's on – we talked to him just a couple seconds ago here. Talked to him last week. He's been in New York City for his one-man show before everything was banned, of course. Uh, but, I know. Uh, you guys work together in adulting. He is one of the funniest men on the planet. How was he to work with in adulting? We talked about him back in the day. But oh, my God. Kind of remind me about yours, your working with him in the past. I I love him so much. He, like, I I had met him just, like, out and about at gay stuff before when, you know, I was living in LA and he was always just like so funny, so kind. Uh, when I reached out to him to be in an episode of hashtag adulting, uh, he like, he was just so game and just like so fun and like excited to do it, which for me meant so much because like, here's this honestly, like comedy genius agreeing to, to, come and play with us and say words that I wrote. It was kind of surreal, um, but it was, it ended up being so much fun. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen the episode, he played this just like totally unhinged photographer. Um, <laughs> and like, Oh my God, he just, he had so many like little added lines that made the final cut. Cause they were just so funny. And yeah, like, just had such an amazing time and he's always just been so wonderful um to me like talking about you know industry stuff and acting stuff and um i just i just really appreciate him he's he's really a wonderful wonderful guy that's great well he's saying your praises last week while we were talking as well and speaking of hashtag adulting i mean we've had you on twice with your co-creator, Sandy Tolme, who's been a great friend of the show, she kind of beat in marriage by a little bit here. How is things going for her? How's she been? Uh, she's she's doing great. Um, married life is is very much agreeing with her. Um, her I, I you know went to her wedding, of course, and it was absolutely stunning. Um, it was at this like gorgeous little. Uh, like it used to be a church, but then they turned it into like a, a, a venue. Um, she looks gorgeous. He looked so handsome. Uh, and then they went on this like amazing honeymoon. They went to South Africa or maybe just oh my goodness. Africa. I'm not totally sure where exactly, but like, <laughs> have you seen photos of that, um, that hotel that's like in a giraffe sanctuary? And so like, the giraffes oh, like stick their yeah. head in through the window. Oh my god, she went right? there and she has all these like oh insane photos of like her in bed with a, a giraffe like just poking its head through the window. It's absolutely insane. Um, but oh, yeah, I, I just saw her. I was in LA uh, two months ago and I had lunch with her and TJ who uh, directed Hashtag Adulting and my short film Something New. Um, and it was just so nice to like catch up with them. I love them both so much. Nice. I love that. 
Let's talk about a couple of projects. We didn't get to have you on talk about something like summer and everything. Um, how's, how's everything else been going in that life? You were going through film, uh, film festival circuit for that. Talk about that show a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So something like summer was a, uh, a feature film that, uh, Oh God, I don't even, I don't, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't really have any news about it. Um, we, we played, we played a fair amount of festivals and I did get to travel with it a lot. This was maybe three years ago. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I had such a wonderful time. Like part of, part of my favorite thing about doing any of this, like acting, writing stuff, creating stuff is like getting to go places and watch it with an audience. Um, an right. audience that like, appreciates it and, and, and gets it and like wants to talk to you about it afterwards. Just like that interaction I love so much. So I'm very thankful uh, that I got to do that with something like summer. Um, but it still, it hasn't, I, I have no news about like any sort of release date for it yet. Um, I know that, you know, a while ago when they were trying to get it all set for distribution, there was some, issues with music licensing, but like, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't actually have right. any information. Um, sure. So that was really fun. Um, around the same time that I was doing that though, I was also going to festivals for a short film that I wrote called something new um, that was directed by my good friend, TJ Marchbank, um, who directed hashtag adulting, as I said before. And that was a really fun experience because Something New was the first thing that I had written just me. Like, it was right. written by just Ben Bauer. Um, so that was really fun and exciting. And, um, you know, I, I got into a fair amount of festivals. Like, I, I won some awards with that, um, which was, you know, crazy to me. Uh, but that whole project kind of came about because I, you know, I took a look at the kinds of roles that I wanted to play. And the first thing that popped to mind was uh, I wanted to be a gay male Meg Ryan. Um, like I wanted <laughs> to be America's gay sweetheart. Uh, so I, I, I wrote myself like uh, a cute little romantic comedy. And, um, you know, I was, I was just so lucky with the people who uh, made that with me. Um, uh Casey Mahaffey, who has been a longtime friend and is on, or I guess was on because the, I think it's over, Modern Family? It's over, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's finishing okay. up. Yeah, it's finishing up this year. Right. Gotcha. Um, so so I was lucky enough to have him be in it. And then uh, Johnny Sibley, who is on Pose, um, playing Billy Porter's lover. Uh, you know, he he and I have known each other since, hunting season and he was in LA for a while and uh uh I, I saw him at the gym and I was just like oh my god I wrote this thing will you be in it and he was just like oh my god yeah uh so that oh, was great really exciting yeah it was it was really cool um I actually you know I have an idea to like kind of make a sequel to that so I can work with Johnny again um but yeah and then oh god that was that was a while ago. Uh, 
And then since then, let me know if I'm rambling too much. Um, no, I you're started... doing great. I, I say, there's <laughs> okay, always great. something going on with you, and it seems something interesting. <laughs> we have something like summer. We have something new. So, so, so there's yes, always yes, something yes. going on with Ben Bauer, which I love, because you um, keep yourself busy. Yeah, I and like that. I'm, you know, I'm trying. It's, it's, it's hard because you know, I, I'm not going out on a ton of auditions. Um, so I'm just, I, I really am just trying to like keep making work for myself, uh, so I don't have to wait for someone else to give me permission to do what I want to do. You know. Right. Um. So, I mean, in that vein, uh, after I made something new, uh, I connected with uh, my good friend, Michael Verratti, um, who is an L.A. gay. He, he has an amazing horror queer podcast called Dead for Filth. Um, uh, I had this idea for a horror short film, and I ran into him at, again, some gay event, and uh, I was just like, <laughs> okay, to be fair, I think I'd had a couple drinks. And I was just like, you, <laughs> we're going to make a thing. Um, oh, that's and, funny. you know, we met a couple times and we came up with this idea for a short film that I'm not going to talk too much about because we haven't made it yet because we figured out that it was going to cost too much money. Um, but it's great. And when we get the money to make it, it is going to be amazing. Um but, however, uh, instead of making that movie, we decided to make something a little bit more affordable. So he and I got together and made a short film called The Office is Mine, uh, which is kind of like a dark horror comedy um, about a guy who's like the token gay in his office. Uh, gotcha. Like he's the one that everyone comes to for for fashion advice and, and restaurant uh, suggestions um, and then one day the boss hires another gay um, and he kind of spirals out of control a little bit and that that <laughs> was like incredibly yeah. that was incredibly fun to make um, uh, him and his producing partner Brandon Kirby uh, did an absolutely amazing job um, making it and uh, it also stars Chris Salvatore from, you know, all the Eating Out movies, uh, who is sure. just, like, the nicest guy. And then also Navaris Darson, who he's he's a big improv guy. He was on the show The Other Two um, on Comedy I'm Central. I'm with him. Nice. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, so we, we made that together, uh, and that just, like, clicked so well. We have since made two more short films. Uh, one was called A Halloween Trick. It's another kind of horror comedy thing that we made exclusively for the streaming service Deku. Uh, that was Which is a great by... streaming service. I love Deku. Yeah, they have, they have so much great stuff on there. Um, we love, we love Deku. I love you, Deku. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we made that and then a story about like my directorial debut is a little bit of a longer story. Um, well, I want to go into but, that, though. I mean, it's your newest film called Yours, Mine, and Ours. You not only was your director, you wrote it, you're the star in it. I mean, talk about how did the story come to you? What is it about? 
Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm going to give you, like, the log line of what it's about. Um, so it's the story about a guy who is in a loving relationship, but when he reconnects with a man from his past who, at the time, he wasn't ready to love, uh, he is thrown into turmoil. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's ultimately a love story, but it's about uh, the consequence of running away from love when you don't feel ready and that kind of sweeping feeling when it all comes back and then that moment when you know that it's time to really let it go. Um, that sounded bonkers coming out of my mouth. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, ultimately it's a very kind of personal story to me um the way that describe it is uh it's imagined events based on real people um it's kind of like a it's kind of like the closure that i don't think i'm ever going to get if that makes any sense yeah so it's so it's very it's very very personal um i wrote the first draft of it I'd say honestly I want to say two years ago um oh wow yeah Uh, I wrote it two years ago uh it started out kind of as an exercise to make a film that I could produce very easily um it's three actors in one location um not a lot of you know no nothing crazy, like no expensive locations, no, you know, crazy fancy camera stuff. Um, just like kind of a very nice, quiet film. Um, so yeah, like two years ago I was all set to make it. Um, uh, I, I have found a producing partner, um, who, uh, he, he, was a fan of hunting season. He's followed my career for a while. And I reached out to him and I was just like, Hey, I'm trying to raise some money to make this thing. And he was just like, great. Uh, here's the money. Um, which is absolutely amazing. He's, he's actually helped yeah, fund definitely. two of my films, uh, which I was so thrilled about. So, so here I was, I had the script, I had a cast, uh, someone who was going to help me produce it here in New York. Um, I had the money, like I was ready to go. And then uh, literally like three weeks before we were planning on shooting, I got mugged and my jaw was broken. So I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, so it was obviously it was off for shooting in three weeks. Um, but then afterwards I kind of had, I don't know it really did a number to my self-esteem and straight up like my natural levels of anxiety. Uh, Sure. uh, So, so, you know, I think that spring is when we shot the office is mine. Um, And like, I didn't have the confidence to direct something. I didn't have the confidence to to direct something specifically that I wrote. Like it just felt too scary to me. Michael was wonderful as a director 
to an actor who was like a little trepidatious. Um, but so, yeah, uh, we made that instead with the money that I was going to make my short. Um, and then I think it was, I think it was maybe like five or six months later, uh, the producing partner who had given me the money, he was like, Hey, I still want to help you make that thing. I really liked that script. Uh, so, you know, I started over trying to find a uh, new cast because at this point the cast that I had wanted to work with was busy. Um, and, and as happens always, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and ultimately like I had really wanted to shoot it in New York. Uh, but it honestly, having just made two films with Michael Verratti and Brandon Kirby in LA, it just was so much easier to, to make it in LA. So, uh, so yeah, we, we shot it just a couple months ago. We shot it in January, um, early January. And, you know, I, I set a deadline for when I wanted post to be done. Um, and I, I, it got done, um, earlier this month. Uh, and I've, you know, started submitting it and I'm very excited. Um, I'm excited for you. I mean, I want to thank you. You sent me a a copy of of a draft of the script, which I think is amazing. I can't wait to see the final product. Oh, thank you. And some amazing actors joining. I mean, you talked a second ago about Casey. He's done great work in Modern Family, NCIS, so much more. Um, And then he plays your live-in boyfriend, David. And then Connor, Mm -hmm. how do I pronounce his name? Um, Sachin. Sachin. Suchin. Suchin. Okay. Suchin bot or bat. That's very cool. Bot. I mean, he, yeah. he's been in some of my favorite things. Two Broke Girls, DC Legend Tomorrow's, Santa Clarita Diet. Talk about casting them and how did you get them? I mean, we talk about people, thank God everyone's working, so it's tough to keep a cast like you said you had to replace, but where did you find these guys to work with? Uh, well, so Casey and I have known each other for years. He was in my short film, Something New, and in that, he plays this, like, really kind of skeevy jerk. Um, and so I, I, want, I wanted to work with him again, and I wanted to give him something that was, you know, nicer, <laughs> more like him. Good guy, well, um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, and when I sent him the script, he, he was immediately like, yes, I will make this work so excited to work with you. Um, and I thought that was fantastic. Um, such an, I had, I had never actually, we had never met before. Um, but I had, he, he had made a short film, uh, that I watched called monogamish. Um, that was the title. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it was really great. Um, and he's, he's a really wonderful actor. So I think, I think I might've just like reached out to him via social media. Um, and, and asked him if he would take a look at this script. Um, he put a couple scenes on, on tape and sent them to me and I sent them to Michael and Brandon and we talked about it and we we're just like, he is, um, and yeah, and working with him was so nice. And I do have to say that both both of them were so wonderful to work with. 
especially as a first-time director, like, they were very patient with me when I was, you know, uh, kind of in my head about directorial stuff. Um, right. And and they were just so, like, and they're, they're both such great actors that, like, performance, like, we would do the the scene once or twice and then I just be like, I I don't have any notes for you. That was so good. Um so it was you know, it was it was nice. It was like awesome. they were dreams to work with as a as a first time director. Very, very cool. I love that. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to see the final product and uh, I'm sure everything you do just hits awards of some kind or another. So I know you're gonna get even more and let's hope for a first-time Best Director Award here as these things right. get submitted. Uh, what's your any other upcoming projects? I mean, these babies take a while to launch. Is that going to be your focus for a while, or do you have anything else kind of percolating in the back of your mind right now? Gosh, I'm I'm always percolating. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually actually I think when I, I get off the phone with you, I'm going to be calling. Uh, Michael Verratti, because um, we have, like, there's just something. He's so great to work with because, like, he makes stuff happen. It's not just, like, it's not just talk. Like, we actually get things done. Um, nice. Which is, That's important. Which is so nice. And honestly, like, hard to come by. Um, so, yeah, we have we have quite a few ideas. We have ideas for a couple more shorts. We have ideas for features. Um, I want to run some, like, series ideas by him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, great. like, from, from when, I first, when I first asked him to produce uh, Yours, Mine, Ours, um, to, to when we actually shot it, I think it was only, like, six or eight weeks. Like, it was, it was like, oh, you want to do this thing? Great. Let's do it. And we did it. Um, so yeah, I, I anticipate a lot more uh, Michael Verratti uh, productions in my future. Fantastic! I love that. Well, Ben Bauer, thank you so much. Great show. We hope you have a fantastic run with this new film. Be sure to check it out, guys. I mean, it's yours, mine, ours. If you see anything about it. Um, be sure to to comment on it and give Craig all your or give Craig. Sorry about that. Give Ben all your support. <laughs> Congratulations on the upcoming wedding and do me a favor and give everyone your social media again for my listeners that keep following you. Yeah, for sure. My uh, my Twitter and Instagram handle are both at Ben J Bauer and Bauer is spelled B A U R. Fantastic. Ben, pleasure talking to you always. Thank you so much for being on the Left of Straight show, and you got to come back again real soon, okay? Thank you so much for having me, and definitely. No problem. Stay on the line, guys. We're going to play out. We'll be back, uh, finish up the show in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. You know me. I live in the world of green. I got too good at painting the dream. But if you really know me, this box made it out in the flesh. I'm here because I'm getting it. I'm gonna turn the tide. I'm gonna live my life the way I want, the way I want to. No matter. 
much for listening to the Left of Straight show today. A big word of thanks to my two guests, Drew Drogi and Ben Bauer, for a couple of fantastic interviews. I'm so bummed you guys aren't able to see Drew's one-man show that was extended at the Soho Playhouse, but he will be back. Look for him. Follow him on social media. Ben is going to have some great submissions to uh, some film festivals, and I will help uh, retweet that when he starts posting that. So great interviews, them. Thank you so much. Guys, thanks for listening today. Let's talk for a quick second before we go about election today. Um, it's a big election day. If it's Tuesday, it's election day. At least today is. My horse has been out of the race for a while. I was a Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar person. Um, right now, I am for Joe Biden. I'm not for Bernie Sanders for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, and I'm for Joe for a bunch of just reasons. I think both are not have their own problems in and of themselves. But uh, I would vote for a Democratic frog um, just to get the big orange monster out of the White House. And I prefer uh, Biden all the way around. And it looks like that is going to happen um, today. Three big, three more big states: Florida, um, Biden won. Uh, Commandingly, 60-something, 20-something percent. Illinois, Biden won, um, I think it was 60-something to 30-something percent, so almost double the votes in there. Arizona is still being counted now. As you're projecting him to win, who knows? Sanders could win that one. But if Joe Biden does win um, Arizona, it's pretty much over. The math is just virtually impossible throughout the rest of the, even though we're a long way till the end as far as delegates would go, it just math, the way that it's set up with the proportional amount of delegates, the math is impossible for Bernie Sanders, unless he won every other state with over 74% of the vote in each state. Um, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen in every single state. So it's, we'll see what happens. It's It's time now to kind of work out some compromises, what Biden can do to help Bernie um, platform-wise, Bernie to consolidate his base. We're going to have the Bernie bros, quote-unquote Bernie bros, and and wackadoodles that are not going to support Biden no matter what. We don't need all of them. Um, we We need the Democrats to get together and vote without just a small percentage of that. Most people are going to vote for the Democratic uh, nominee. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm honestly just sick of seeing yard signs all over Northeast Ohio with Trump's name on them. I'd like to have a presumed candidate like 
now that we can start putting our own signs up and changing the story here. So that's that. Guys, um, I'm just excited to have be back on the air. It's been a long hiatus, and I'm glad to have Season 5 kicking off this week. We'll be back every Monday and Tuesday right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network at 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be back to some of our favorite guests like Del Shores and Stan Zimmerman, Terry Ray, Emerson Collins, a whole bunch more. And we have some new names coming on the show for the very first time, like Lonnie Anderson from WKRP in Cincinnati, once married to Burt Reynolds, um, Nathan Lee Graham, who is in Sweet Home, Alabama, with Reese Witherspoon, the comeback with Lisa Kudrow, and now currently on the new CW show, Katie Keene. So lots of great people coming up. Please tell your friends and subscribe on their favorite podcast. I recommend either iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. We're available wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on just about every platform. So please subscribe to it. Give us a great rating if you like the episode so the um, distributor will share it and feature more of our content in their search engines. I really appreciate it. And we are going to be back next Monday and Tuesday at this regular scheduled time. Thanks so much. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Left of Straight, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight, uh, the Left of Straight show on Facebook. And you can send me over a personal friend request, Scott Fullerton on Facebook as well. I appreciate you being part of the Left of Straight family. Have a great evening and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.